Tuesday, June 8, 1982, dawned bright and clear in London, England. It was to be an historic day. A spirit of excitement permeated the air and filled each anxious heart with keen anticipation. The President of the United States had come to Great Britain and soon would be speaking to Parliament. A huge crowd had assembled and overflowed the streets into the nearby park. Uniformed policemen maintained order, and historic Big Ben chimed its proud and clarion call, announcing the appointed hour. My wife Frances and I stood midst the crowd when suddenly Parliament's doors swung open, the President and the Prime Minister emerged, waved to the crowd, entered their waiting limousines, and the motorcade drove slowly away. The crowd gave a mighty cheer and then began to disperse. We left the sun-bathed streets of London and entered the semi-dark but peaceful sanctuary of Westminster Abbey. It seems as though a spirit of reverence filled the building that day, and why shouldn't it? For in this historic edifice, kings are crowned, royalty wedded, and monarchs whose missions of mortality have concluded are honored and then buried. Francis and I walked up and down the corridors, noting the plaques which marked the tombs of the famous. We thought about their historic deeds, their acts of valor, and that which qualified them for place in the world's history. And then we gazed down at an inlaid marker, the tomb of the unknown soldier, one of many young men who fell in combat in World War I. The body of this fallen youth had been brought from an unmarked grave to lie in honor in London. I love the inscription on the tomb. They buried him among the kings, for he had done good toward God and toward his house. In Christ shall all be made alive. We walked along toward the doorway, and then through the opening we could see the remnant of the crowd. And the immortal words of Rudyard Kipling came to my mind and spoke to my soul. The tumult and the shouting dies. The captains and the kings depart. Still stands that ancient sacrifice, an humble and a contrite heart. Lord God of hosts, be with us yet, lest we forget, lest we forget. We hurried along, one more monument to see. For as a scouter, I had come to England to see the new memorial for Baden-Powell, the founder of scouting. As we stood before the magnificent marble memorial, I read to Francis the words, Robert Baden-Powell, 1857 to 1941, founder of the Boy Scouts, friend of all the world. On this, the 75th anniversary of the founding of Scouting and the 125th anniversary of its founder, I ask myself the question, how many boys' lives have been blessed, even saved, by the movement sponsored by this one man? Unlike others buried within Westminster Abbey, 
Baden-Powell did not sail the stormy seas of glory. He didn't lead a conquering army on a battlefield. He didn't found an empire of worldly wealth. He was a builder, a builder of boys, who taught them well how to run and win the race of life. I think he was motivated by the little verse, Nobody knows what a boy is worth. We'll have to wait and see. But every man in a noble place, a boy once used to be, this same thought is delightfully portrayed in the closing lines of the musical Camelot. You'll remember that King Arthur has witnessed the destruction of his coveted round table, destroyed by the jealousies of men, the infidelity of a queen, and the appearance in the present of a mistake from the past, even Mordred. King Arthur and his forces prepared to engage in mortal combat the armies of Lancelot. All that he held dear was shattered. Disappointment had darkened to disillusionment, and disillusionment had deepened to despair. Suddenly, however, there appeared the stowaway, the young boy Tom of Warwick. Hopefully he announced to his monarch that he had come to help engage the enemy in combat, to wage war, and win the campaign for Camelot. In response to the king's questioning, he indicated his knowledge of the round table. Might for right, right for right, justice for all. He said that he wished to become a knight. A glimmer of hope came across King Arthur's face. All was not lost. He turned to Tom and instructed him on the glory of the round table. And then he knighted him. Sir Tom of Warwick, and commissioned him to depart the battlefield at once, to return to England, to spread abroad the dream of Camelot, to grow up and to grow old. Thus armed, Sir Tom of Warwick placed aside the weapons of war, and taking with him the tenets of truth, he heard his monarch command, Run, boy, run. A boy had been spared an idea safeguarded, a hope preserved. Every boy that comes within the influence of scouting receives far more than did Sir Tom of Warwick. He subscribes to a motto, Be prepared. He lives by a code of conduct, Do a good turn daily. Scouting provides proficiency ratings to encourage a boy how to succeed to hone his skills and develop his talents. Scouting teaches a boy how to live, not merely how to make a living. How grateful am I that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, way back in 1913, became the first partner to sponsor scouting in the United States of America. How appreciative am I that President Kimball stood at this pulpit not long back and spoke to the world some words which I jotted down on a card. Said he, The Church affirms the continued support of scouting and will seek to provide leadership which will help boys keep close to their families and close to the Church as they develop the qualities of citizenship and character and fitness 
which scouting represents, we've remained strong and firm in our support of this great movement and of the oath and the law which are at its center. What is the scout oath spoken of by President Kimball? If we stretch, we men may remember. On my honor, I will do my best to do my duty to God and my country, to obey the scout law, to help other people at all times, and to keep myself physically strong, mentally awake, and morally straight. From the battlefield of war, General of the Army Douglas MacArthur, in his own inimitable way, described his affection for duty. It was in the twilight of his career, after the daylight of youth had gone and the shadows of age had descended. General MacArthur was speaking to a group of cadets, and he said, In my dreams, I hear again the crash of the guns, the rattle of the musketry, the strange, mournful sound of the field of battle. But in the evening of my memory, I always come back to West Point. Their echoes and re-echoes in my ears, duty, honor, country. Harry Emerson Fosdick, the famous Protestant minister, said something about duty when he said that men will work hard for money. They will work harder for other men. But men will work hardest of all when they are dedicated to a cause. Until willingness overflows obligation, men fight as conscripts rather than following the flag as patriots. Duty is never worthily performed until it is performed by one who would gladly do more if only he could. And then the Confederate General Robert E. Lee. He said that to him, duty was the most glorious word in the English language. A man can do no more. He would not wish to do less. And what about that scout law spoken of by President Kimball? When I think of the scout law, I think of the Lord the Lord who knew the law of God and who lived it. In fact, I find in the twelve points of the scout law a counterpart teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me illustrate. A scout is trustworthy. What did the Lord say? I have finished the work thou gavest me to do. A scout is loyal. Get thee behind me, Satan. A scout is helpful. Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. A scout is friendly. Ye are my friends. A scout is courteous. Whatsoever thou would that other men do unto you, do ye even so unto them. A scout is kind. Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not. And he took them in his arms and placed his hands upon them and blessed them. A scout is obedient. I came from heaven, said he, not to do mine own will, but the will of him 
that sent me. A scout is cheerful. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. A scout is thrifty. Sell all that thou hast and distribute it among the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. A scout is brave. O oh, my father, if thou be willing, may this cup pass from me. Not my will, but thine be done. A scout is clean. Be ye clean that bear the vessels of the Lord. A scout is trustworthy. And above all, a scout is reverent. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. These inspired teachings, when taught by devoted leaders to precious boys of promise, will not only influence the boys in a positive way, those teachings will affect all eternity. Cast thy bread upon the water, and thou shalt find it after many days. Such is scouting. I remember hearing the account of a group of scouters camped in the mountains near Sacramento. They were participating in what we call wood badge training. This is the training where the men subject themselves to the same ordeal as the boys whom they lead. For example, over an open fire, they cook and burn and then eat the scrambled eggs just as do the boys. <laughs> they climb those rugged, steep trails made steeper by advancing age. They sleep or try to sleep on rocky ground. And they do dream of heavenly galaxies. At the conclusion of this ordeal, this group of scouters decided to treat themselves to a sumptuous meal. They even arranged for a professional Greek chef to cook the menu. And at the conclusion of the meal, one of them said to Demetrius, the chef, Demetrius, why are you always smiling? Why is it that every year you come to this wood badge camp and without compensation prepare such a lovely meal for those of us who are scouters? Do you really love scouting that much? Demetrius paused, put aside his skillet, wiped his hands on the white apron that graced his rotund figure, and then told them his story. He began, I was born and grew to boyhood in a little village in old Greece. I had a happy boyhood until World War II, when there came the invasion and the occupation of our country by the Nazis. He said the men were freedom-loving, and they engaged in acts of sabotage to discourage the enemy. One night they had been successful in blowing a hydroelectric dam. They had a celebration. But late at night, said Demetrius, I could hear the rumble of army trucks coming across the cobblestone road of the village. I heard the tramp, tramp, tramp of the soldiers' jackboots. And soon every door in the village was opened and every man and boy was ordered to assemble immediately in the village square. Demetrius said, I scarcely had time to pull on my trousers and buckle my belt. And there we were standing in the village square, row upon row, before the glaring headlights of a dozen trucks 
and the angry muzzles of a hundred guns. A sergeant announced to us what he said was the viciousness of our act of sabotage. He said that he had been ordered to place into effect severe reprisals. Every fifth man or boy was to be summarily shot. He then went down the first row and designated every fifth person and the second row, and the horrible edict was carried out. Then Demetrius said, He came to the row on which I stood, and to my horror I realized that I would be the final person designated for execution. As the soldier stood before me, he gazed down at my belt buckle. It contained the insignia of scouting. I had won that belt buckle for knowing the scout oath and the scout law. The soldier pointed to the buckle. A smile came across his lips. He raised his hand in the scout sign and said, Run, boy, run. He said, I ran, and I lived, and today I serve scouting so that other boys may dream dreams and live to fulfill them. He then reached in his pocket and showed to the men that same belt buckle on which there glistened the emblem of scouting. Not a word was spoken. Each man wept silently. There was a recommitment to scouting. It has been said that the greatest gift a man can give a boy is his willingness to share part of his life with him. To scouters, to you parents of scouts, to scouts everywhere, on this, our 75th anniversary, I salute you and pray our Heavenly Father's blessings to attend all of us. In the name of Jesus Christ the Lord, amen.